Greetings, Earth people. It's me again, IC Robots, from the Toys R Us Report podcast. Available exclusively at thegreatestpodcastintheworld.com. And you are listening to the SNES Podcast with my boy Greg and his revolving cadre of co-hosts. All right, Greg, your time is now. Let's do this like Brutus. Hit it. NES podcast with your hosts Soul Blazer and George. This is uh, episode 49 of the Super NES Podcast. This is uh, one of your one of your regular hosts, Greg. Very pleased to be with you again. And I have with me my other regular host, George. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> and we are spe- and we're very pleased uh, this episode to have a re- to have uh, to have a returning guest host. Uh, you may remember him from the Final Fantasy IV episode that we did last year. Uh, I'm very pleased to welcome Andy back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. How's it going, Andy? Oh, not too bad. Just enjoying my one day off from work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I hear you. I, like, I've been working like mad hours myself like, recently, too. But summer's supposed to be calm. It hasn't calmed down quite yet. I don't think it ever will. It's actually very windy outside the house right now over here. Yes, yes, it is windy. So if you hear some background noises, that very well could be attributed like to that. So uh, we're we're having we're having a bit of a disturbance here in the Northeast. Yeah. Is it, is it from that storm? Isn't there a storm coming through? Yeah, that's what's causing it. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought I heard on the news earlier in the week. But we've already had to postpone this podcast twice, so I really didn't want to have to push it back a third time. So, <laughs> well, you know, third time's the charm. Yes, I suppose that's correct. So. Unless Greg's apartment's just ripped out of the whole complex. <laughs> <in a good laughs> uh, so Andy wanted to talk about a game, uh, an, um, uh, another classic. That's funny. Game. I want to talk about a game too. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. A, another classic, popular game that we were going to cover eventually, I'm sure, but we just hadn't gotten like quite around like to it yet. Um, and this is and this is certainly one of the most uh, uh, famous and technological achievements of the Super NES, uh, Star Fox. Now, it's so special that it's so, 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 so special that the game that the game actually had to have a special chip inside of it to be able to handle it. So, um, Andy, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your history with this game and why you wanted to talk about it? I've been playing Star Fox off and on since it came out. I remember when it released, and they were just talking heavily about the special effects chip and how much better this game and games that used it were going to look than regular Super Nintendo games. And uh, I know me and my mom rushed out to the video store as soon as they got it and rented it, and I just remember just playing the crap out of it for years and years just because they could do so much more with that little chip than just with you know 16 bit graphics without the chip right so. yeah it was certainly like you know like very impressive um, you know I also I also first played this game like when it came out uh, had a copy back then play the crap out of it so this is certainly like the first the few I certainly a favorite of mine also and as is the case with many of these games uh, George does not quite have the deep experience and history of this game that we do, but he does have some knowledge like of this game. Uh, you were saying off mic, George, that you had played this game like a little bit, like a little bit, a little bit, but you do that before this podcast. Yeah, I like a few years ago or something like that. I played a little bit because you know you hear about Star Fox and it's like, let me let me take a look at this game. What is, what is this game? And it's like, oh, it's a 3D game for the Super Nintendo that is super ambitious. Yes, uh, the game used what's called the Super, uh, I mean, the Super, uh, uh, the Super FX hardware. Uh, the actual, the actual name of the chip is the GS GSU Dash One Graphics Acceleration Coprocessor. Uh, you probably want to get fancy, but I did not know that. Yes, um, there's <laughs> there's quite a uh, there's quite an interesting history behind this game and the processor, which we'll get here to, I think, here in a moment. Um, but uh, Star Fox is probably one of Nintendo's most famous franchises. Uh, another franchise that got started in Super NES. Uh, the game first came out uh, in Japan in February of 1993, followed by North America a month later in March, and it finally came out in Europe in Europe in June of that that year. Uh, because of copyright reasons, uh, the game was known as uh, Star Wing uh, in Europe. Uh, German company already. Really? A German company was already uh, already had the, uh, like already had the name Star Fox tra- trademarked, so they had to rename the game for Europe. 
That's um, not a great name. <laughs> uh, which is ironic because the game was developed by a, I was developed by a European company, uh, Argonaut Software, which is based right. in England. Right. Uh, Argonaut was started in 1982. Uh, they did their first uh, game like the Commodore 64, uh, Skyline Attack. They were most known for doing the Star Gliders games for the for like the Mega and Atari ST platforms uh, before Star Fox came out, uh, which was a revolutionary 3D uh, 3D based of uh, flying games that really took off the that that hardware and like Super NES pushed pushed those computers like their limits as to what they could do. Do you so, know when they disappeared? Yes, they went defunct in 2004. Okay, that's what I thought. And because of that, the Star Fox franchise has changed hands several times. Uh, Rare developed some of the games for the series. Namco has developed some of the most recent ones. So uh, this, this franchise has bounced around between a, uh, 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 between a few different companies, more so than most of the franchises that usually do. I didn't know Namco had a hand in some of those. Yeah, yep, yep. Namco, huh. Namco has developed some of the some of the uh, later games. That's interesting. I uh, like for the I uh, like this series also. But uh, and uh, because of the call processor, this game was a little. Uh, this game was a little, this game was a, it was a little bit more pricey. Like when it, when it first came out, um, I don't remember exactly how much it paid for it. Uh, Andy, you don't remember uh, by chance, do you? Not off the top of my head. I'm sure it's like seventy or eighty dollars, right? It was something. I like was that, figuring yes, at yeah. least sixty. Yeah. So. Um, uh, Argonaut actually developed a game kind of similar to this game beforehand, and that's um, uh, and that's what they were able to use to be able to convince Nintendo uh, that making this game would be a good idea and profitable for like both companies. Um, there was a game I've ever talked about on Retro Obscure and, and like some other podcasts before, uh, like in the past, uh, that was called X, uh, just simply X, uh, that came out for the Game Boy in Japan in May, like in May of '92. Uh, it was a three-dimensional first-person shooter game that has a lot of similarities. That, similarities like what Star Fox has. Um, it was only released in Japan, um, but there is a sequel uh, like called Escape that's available on DSiWare in 2010. And if you play the game, there's a lot of similarities between that one and Star Fox. Uh, you have that first-person uh, viewpoint, uh, the fancy graphics, the kind of the basic gameplay controls. And again, it really pushed that hardware to the limit. I played the game a little, a little bit in emulation. It's a real shame this game didn't come out in the States. Because it's a very impressive like impressive Game Boy game. I do like fancy graphics. So because of that, um, they, uh, Argonaut approached Nintendo with the idea of originally, of, originally, of originally making an enhanced version of that game, like on the NES. And there's a demo that actually was released uh, that was internal, but has since been leaked. You can find it online if you look around for it. That shows what the game might have looked like on the NES. It had the code name of NES Glider. Uh, again, making reference back to the early Star Glider series that they'd done for the computers. So, um, and, you know, the NES demo, it's pretty damn impressive. You know, again, you kind of have pushing the system, the system above and beyond what it was designed to do. Uh, but the NES was good for doing that because of all the mappers and everything that the carts the carts contained. The Super NES cart- cartridges, however, were not quite as a um, upgradable friendly like in that area. So the company the, like the company basically said that they had pushed the had pushed the system as hard to as far as they could go, and they wanted it any better, they'd have to design special hardware. And Nintendo actually, much to their surprise, gave them the go ahead to you know to do that. So. Um, 
like that's how the super like that's how the super you know super um uh, the FX chip got its start. I have a question. Um, is this the first game to come out in North America that had special hardware built into the cartridge? Because I know uh, Famicom games. There were some by Konami and whatnot that had special hardware that I think like added more audio channels or something like that. Well, it depends upon what you. Well, it depends on what you mean by uh, special hardware, because like I said, the mappers that NES games used uh, and some of the other chips uh, that were utilized in later games also had some upgrades like to them also. Uh, if you're talking about as far as if you're talking if you're talking about as far as like a special a special chip that piggybacked onto the game card itself and added capabilities above beyond what the hardware itself could do, then yes. Okay. Like I said, like um, you know, it's kind of like splitting hairs. Like it all depends. You know, it all depends upon like how you like you know define it. Yeah. But uh, um, this was um, this was not the first game to use. Uh, uh, this was the first game to use the FX chip. There was a enhanced version of the chip. Um, uh, uh, known as the number two chip uh, that was used for a couple of the Super NES games, racing games. Uh, they weren't as good as this game. I'm not sure if you guys have ever played like any of them, but uh, this is definitely the best game to utilize to, 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 to utilize the special hardware. I don't even know what what games that would be. Yeah, uh, I didn't write down the names. They're just like a couple of like generic generic racing games that um, that looked good, but just didn't but just didn't play like anywhere near um, as nice as Star Fox did. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Fox certainly was impressive in some other ways as well because of the special hardware. Uh, it was able to actually include some voice samples uh, that were in the game. Uh, I thought that was the coolest part of it, just yes. to interrupt the voices and the voice at the end of the game when you actually hear Pepper and Fox speak in English like right. we're speaking. I just thought that was like hot shit, man. Very good, clear language too. I mean, yes, it was it yeah. was crisp and clear. Yes. So, uh, yeah, the characters the characters do do speak in the game, but they kind of have that you know like gibberish made up language. Yeah, right? yeah, like in in game they right. do. So uh, the basic plot behind the game is pretty simple. Uh, there's uh, uh, the game takes place playing a system playing a system that's called the Lilat system. That uh, that instead of humans, there's a bunch like of uh, advanced like advanced like. Um, uh, just like uh, animals, I suppose you could, I could say, like you know, um, um, uh, rabbits, toads, uh, e- eagles, that kind of stuff. Um, and there was a scientist by the name of Andros who had been doing experiments on the experiments on the planet Cornelia and was banned from the planet because of how dangerous that they got. And he took over another planet, Venom, and has built up a fleet of a um, military hardware to get his revenge. And so uh, you command. Uh, uh, sorry, like, sorry. You command like Fox McCloud, um, uh, who is the leader of the elite Star Fox team, uh, with three teammates in the revolutionary brand new R-wing prototypes uh, that go defeat his forces and uh, forces and save the system. So it's just like the game is like the game is a basic um, um, uh, a shooter with two different viewpoints. You can actually change you can actually change the viewpoints during the game. Uh, there's three there. Uh, uh, there's, there's three viewpoints available to you. You have the you have you have behind the ship, kind of like a wide angle. Uh, you have a close-in ship where you're still behind the ship, but the angle is more tighter up, so the camera doesn't show like quite as much. And you also have like uh, 
you know, like a true first person, like in the cockpit view. And curiously, that viewpoint default will change depending on stage you're in, because mm-hmm. the, uh, because the planet stages all take place by default with the with the like the furthest behind the view uh, angle. But when you're in the space scenes, like the space Mata, uh, it, like defaults to the in-game cockpit, uh, because the fact you, because the fact that you don't have to worry about uh, so much so much crap coming at you uh, in those stages from different directions, so you could uh, flexing focus like focus more like a dead on in front of you. Um, I happen to like the default viewpoints for the most part. Whatever. That's the one I like too. Right. What, so whatever viewpoint the game defaults me to, I'm usually fine with that. Uh, I've never actually, I've never actually really played around, played around changing viewpoints very much. I'm not a fan of the cockpit view. Like even in the space levels, when you're in space, I'll put it back outside the ship. I just can't fly it like that. Now maybe, now maybe because, now maybe because of me, because of my history playing playing space sims like X Wing and whatnot before this. Uh, yeah. That felt very natural to me. So, I, like I stayed in cockpit view, like in those stages. I uh, had some issues with that stuff. Uh, which which viewpoints? Like all of them. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. So when you're outside the ship, there's like no crosshair, so it's you're you're on your own to try to figure out where you have to be to to shoot things, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm not very good at. And then there's the the inside cockpit where it like resets you, I believe. So like if you're not moving, it like resets you to a position. At least it feels like that. And it's very it's very clunky. Mm, yeah, I suppose so. But uh, yeah, like I said, I thought the uh, the only viewpoint I really didn't like was the really close, tied up viewpoint behind the ship because you're, 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 oh, that's be, the worst, right? Because you really couldn't see very much that way. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I also, don't like that in any game. I also found it hard to like gauge while in the cockpit where where to go so I could dodge um, an attack. Right. Well, uh, the game the game's a little bit behind the rails, but it's not really like a true um, uh, behind the rails. At least for the planet stages, you do have some like uh, uh, movement, so you can move side to side, um, and there is some limited movement. The camera, you know, the camera will the, uh, uh, the camera will uh, um, scroll over a little bit on the left and right uh, as you're moving around, and, yes. and and you can also go up and down some. Uh, you can also do a barrel roll, which has become kind of infamous name like online. Do a barrel roll. <laughs> uh, I mean, wasn't that from '64 though? I believe it was. It wasn't in this one. Yeah. Uh, you actually can do a barrel roll in this game. You oh, can, oh, but I just mean the saying. Right. The yeah, saying. yeah. The, right. well, I think it was like Peppy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, the sayings yeah. from the sayings from '64. The the barrel roll, the barrel roll is more effective in Starbucks '64, but but you could do it in this game. I, I found no use for it. It's good for deflecting lasers. If you have lasers coming at you, then you can uh, a well-timed barrel roll will just stay. Um... Oh crap! The only level I used the barrel roll in it was it was a space level. I can't remember the name of it, but um, you're flying through space and you hit the uh, they call them like space amoebas or something, and they kind of look like Metroids, mm-hmm. and you had to fly through you know a patch of them, and they would latch onto your ship. Okay, yep, yep. That's yeah. the only level I had to use the barrel roll in because it would just throw them off your ship if, you know, they latched on. So I'd just barrel roll through the whole thing. Mm. Yeah, curiously enough, um, uh, your ship can also take some damage. Like, your wings can get, like, blown off. Um, and if your wings get destroyed, then you can't do the barrel roll anymore. Uh, I, I really like that because... Yeah, it's a nice touch. Yeah, and you're still able to actually fly around with 
a broken wing. Mm. The ship becomes yeah, the, yeah. The ship becomes like a little bit harder to maneuver, but oh, it was um, already hard to maneuver in the first place. <laughs> well, there's a reason this is a prototype because uh, they definitely needed some more time to fine tune the bugs like in the ship. Um. <laughs> it kind of flew almost like a train. Yeah, like if you were flying a train. <laughs> I think that would be like a fairly accurate representation. They Not to just take renamed, away from the game. In Europe, they could have just renamed it Space Train. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's. I'm kind of, a, yeah, I'm kind of a, like two mindsets to that because, um, uh, because as far as the controls go, as far as as far as this game goes, the controls themselves feel fine to me. They feel, uh, they feel right. Uh, you you can't customize your controls the menu screen, which is always nice. Yes. Um, so I always appreciate games that allow that. So the controls felt responsive. They felt fine. Uh, it's not really all that difficult to handle the to handle the ship. In terms of actually the big picture, though, and how this and how this game handles compared to the space shooters like this Irk, um, it's a little bit slow. It's a little bit choppy. Uh, part of that part of that just can't be helped because of the fact that the processor, even the processor, this is this game really pushes the to the Super NES like its limits. Oh, and you can really tell. <laughs> and you, there are times where it just the, the frame rate just goes down. And so you have to remember that back then we were used to playing games with no better than like 15 frames per second. So this felt perfectly fine to us, like when this game was new, because this is like. Oh, Wow, this is going to 15 frames per second. This is awesome. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Greg, I've, I've played PlayStation games before. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but you're right. Nowadays, nowadays you really do notice it because you're used to oh, games yeah, that a lot yeah. but, uh, you know, a lot, uh, like you know, a lot better. But well, if you're if you're someone like me and you play games on a computer and your your computer's up to snuff and you're getting at least like 60 frames a second, you Look at this game. It's like, whoa, whoa. Am I drunk? What's going on? Yeah, it just, like, I'm not going to knock it because it's a super ambitious game. It's just, mm-hmm. it was really tough for me to play because the frame rate was dipping down. It's another game where it really helps to have some perspective, perspective like it's nostalgia for it. Uh, because in fact, I think, that, yeah. I think that's a lot of it for me, too. I, I think it's an ambitious, good game, but I think some of it is nostalgia. As just for like this particular title in the series, because like you were saying, it it did have some faults, but it's still fun. I think for nostalgic reason as well. Right. So. I mean, I'm not I'm not super into the game. Like I'm kind of into it, but like I I like really appreciate it because it, it's it's this 3D game on on the SNES. Yeah, the graphics are amazing. I mean, like you know, back when the came out, we were just all blown away by this game. Polygons. Yeah, like Yeah, but there were like no textures. <laughs> no, which is understandable. It's understandable because that's more rendering power you have to use and I'm sure the game would be like 5 frames a second then. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So Gameplay is just basically your basic uh, behind the behind the ship shooter. Your primary weapons are lasers. Uh, are lasers? Can you also get power bombs, uh, which can launch and detonate to blow everything up on a screen? Or my favorite you, wrestling move. But <laughs> um, you have to um, you go through the stage, and at the end of each stage, there's a boss. Um, and the weak points of the boss are very easily very easily identifiable because of the uh, the red the red flashing blocks that you have to hit. So, right. um, 
And what I really love about this game, well, one of the many things I love about this game is the fact that there's like three difficulty levels built into the game, depending upon what course you take, like the map determines you, uh, determines that you, uh, that route determines they like they have an easy, normal, like a hard gameplay experience. Okay, so I also noticed something. Um, I was having trouble with one of the space stages, and I kept getting to this one boss, and then I lost all my lives, and I had to restart. So I just I just loaded the beginning of the level again uh, through save states. But uh, I played the get I played the same stage, and I got a different boss at the end. Yeah, uh, I think what happened is that sometimes. Uh, certain 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 stages certain stages that you go through regardless regardless of what course you take like Cornelia is always going to be one stage Venom's always going to be a stage there's uh, I think there's like one other that shows up shows up shows up that shows up like along more than one route too um, but there also can be a bug in the game where where if that happens the game can default you at your next your next game to a different you know different different difficulty level. So, um, yeah, I, I saw that as well because everything was all right. I was having a little bit of trouble, but that's just me being bad at the game. And then I got to the next level and I just, everything got so hard. I said, what's, what's going on here? I just, it's, I can't even get like halfway through this level. I've never actually had that happen before. I, 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 I've not had it. I, I've not had it happen to me either, but I have heard about it like online. So, that's, that's crazy. Um, there are a couple of bugs like in the game, uh, but which uh, which is to be understood because of the ambitious nature of the game, as, as we said. Yeah, uh, I'm also... sure it was a pretty big game yeah. for back then. And I mean, you look at uh, huge games today; it's like it's so it's almost impossible to fix all these bugs. The stages, the stages, the stages are good size, but at the same time, at the same time, I felt I, I, I was I was felt I was I was felt that it was very impressive that this that this game just kind of felt right as far as the overall content and length because uh, because those stages are pretty meaty you can go through the whole game like in about 45 minutes like you're good at it uh i was playing it on my wii and you know i was obviously emulating it as well and yeah i think just having experience with the game it probably took me about a half hour to go through like one whole path mm-hmm. um so you also have you, you also are supposed to have some help with you in this game, like in the form of your wingmates. But they don't do anything. You have to you. help them. <laughs> you have to help them and stuff. I got a bogey on my tail, Fox. From what I've read, the original the original game specs and the docs of this game called for the wingmen to be callable every now and then. Uh, you could earn the ability to have them come on your screen to unleash like a barrage a barrage of firepower uh, firepower to help to help against a boss, for example. But because of space limitations and hardware constraints, I was taken out. So that would have been awesome. That would have been great. That would have been helpful, actually. Yeah, very helpful. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if wingmen are shot down, they don't come back, um, and you do earn points. There are points depending upon the health gauge, like your wingmen. So if you want a high score, they're going to keep your wingmen alive. I never had one die. So yeah. No. Yep, they can't get shot down. Um, and, and these three wingmen are the same characters, characters who also show up, who, who also show up later on in the, uh, the series. Uh, you have Falco Lombardi, who's kind of the the veteran, uh, the, uh, the veteran like a hole uh, like of the group, uh, who doesn't like Fox very much. Uh, Peppy Hare, who's a very uh, friendly, happy-go-lucky, uh, decent, like decent pilot, and Slippy, who's just about useless. 
But everybody loves Slippy. <laughs> oh, at least in this game, he's terrible. <laughs> he lets you use the tank in Star Fox 64. That's the only thing I know he's good for. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can actually shoot down your your uh, your uh, wingmates. Yes, mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yes, you can, and they, and they, and they don't take very kindly to that either. So. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Doing them a favor. <laughs> right. So. Um, so the graphics we already talked about some. Uh, I really always appreciated 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 the stage design. Like for this game, each stage feels different in this game. Uh, each stage, the, each stage has different enemies, different the, the different twist to, to, uh, to a different twist to throw into you. Uh, like in Cornelia, depending upon the difficulty level that you're at, you can have a, a, um, a towers fall down. You have to like either like uh, avoid like avoid or fly under uh, or fly under. Before they uh, collapse, you do have also boost and boost and break uh, uh, functions in this game. Also, by the way, I forgot to mention that. Is it useful though? Yes, it is because uh, you can you can boost, for example, to get under a uh, column uh, column before it falls. Right. So. What about the breaking though? Breaking can be breaking. Breaking can do kind of the same thing. Uh, breaking is also useful in some of the alien battleships, like in the Space Armada stage, like you know those ships that you go into every now and then that you have, like blow up the cores. Yeah. Um, and also, and also in those ships, which I love, aggravating, aggravating as heck, but I, but I also enjoy it. There's also certain stages that have arrows on them, and if you shoot the, they shoot the door, that determines what direction that the door opens up in. So you have to like uh, time your shots and figure out, and figure oh, out, and figure out which direction okay. you want the door to open up in, and then like fly through it. That makes sense. So, yeah, a lot of really great, like great stage design, like this game. I thought. Um, Andy, do you have like a, a favorite stage or anything else, or to, 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 uh, uh, for, like, anything else as far as or anything else as far as as far as, as, far as stage design that sticks with you? Well, about like you, I like the battleship stages just because you actually get to fly into a ship and destroy the core. And I mean, overall, I just I do agree with you. The stage design is pretty fresh and original. Unless it's the same stage on a different difficulty, they all feel different. They all play a little bit different just overall you you know you kind of captured what i was gonna say mm. so um yeah um the soundtrack of this game is very good also i think it's not um you know i wouldn't call it a great track but there's some but there's uh but there's uh but there's some good pieces and some like some stuff that definitely like earwormy uh the canaria piece for example is very catchy um, i've kind of got that in my head right now when <laughs> you started talking about the soundtrack yeah uh, I love the Space Amada theme. That's awesome to me. That's like a great like Star Wars like esque piece to me. So uh, that's definitely my favorite piece of the game. George, uh, uh, what do you, uh, George, what do you think about the the overall the overall the overall stage design, like the music? Oh, uh, it was nice. <laughs> I don't I don't really have too much to say. Mm. Um, it they were they, a lot of the music's pretty good. Um, as for like stages, I don't know. I'm not too crazy about them. I really liked the uh, first one in the city. Mm-hmm. That was really nice. Yeah. So, um, do you like do you like games of this arc in general, or is it if, like, just like if, like just a genre a genre that doesn't like do much for you? Um, it de- it depends on how it's made. Mm. Um, but I don't I don't go out of my way for these kinds of games, but. Uh, if I stumble upon one, uh, there's a possibility I'll like it. Mm, yeah. So. 
So somebody who doesn't have nostalgia, nostalgia uh, like this game that Andy and I do, uh, I like, I like you know, what are the things about this game that you really like, you know, enjoyed to enjoy like didn't like? Um. Well, I mean, the frame rate I did not like, obviously, but I mean, you, <laughs> there's not much you can do about that. Uh, I mean, I like that it was 3D. It's really impressive. Uh, super ambitious. It's just the game. The game works, but it doesn't work in a way that I really like it to. Um, it just it feels a little clunky and it feels a little drunk. There are tricks you can do with emulation to kind of take the throttle off, so to speak, and you know, like um, you know, boost the you boost the game speed, like in performance. Is there? Yeah. Because I know my emulator was reading out 60 frames, like, all the time. It was like, oh, it must be emulating the the no, hardware or the SNES or whatever. Yeah, there are hardware. That it yeah. has it lag. Yeah, there are hardware tricks you can do to kind of, like, you know, like, uh, boost the overall performance. It makes the game a little bit, like, it makes the game a, a bit hard to control, but it... Uh, it's already hard to control. <laughs> well, <laughs> So that's 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 great. <laughs> Make the game harder, but at a better frame rate. Uh, so, um, um, so Andy, looking at this game now versus back then, I'm curious to hear about what you think about this game. Um, do you do you still do you still like this game as as much now as you used to? Do you think it holds up like today? Yes. Yes and no, because <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, it was like the newest thing on Super Nintendo. It was oh, cutting edge graphics and sound. It's so different when you're a kid, because when I was a kid, the PlayStation and eventually the PlayStation 2 were out. And, you know, that was like, you know, the PlayStation was like the best thing ever with like all five of its polygons for each character mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, you know. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know playing this game now, um, I still had fun with it. I still like it a lot. I still think it holds up like today. Um, I certainly can see that certain parts of the game have not aged very well. Um, you know, as George said, it was certainly was, uh, I think games that often are technological feats when they first came out don't always particularly age very well. And, and this game, and this game's flaws certainly, certainly do show. That said, I still think I still think I still think if you're willing to put up with it, you can still have a very like fun gameplay experience here. Um, the the core mechanics of the game are still are still fun to play. It's still challenging. Um, I, I appreciate the three different uh, the, I appreciate the, I appreciate the, the three different the three different levels uh, of difficulty in the game and the different tactics and strategies that strategies that you can use. Um, there's certainly there's certainly a lot to a, a lot to play in this game, and considering the directions of the later games, the franchise, the franchise, the franchise, the franchise, the franchise have gone. I appreciate the fact how much, how I guess classic this one feels with like the you know like pure the pure the, the pure third person shooter uh, perspectives to it compared to some of the uh, joint mesh that some of the later fr- games the franchise have you know have turned into. Yes. <laughs> uh, um, there was supposed to be a sequel to this game, Star Fox Two. Oh yeah, and wasn't it's actually there a pretty good. 
Yeah, Star Fox 2 was actually, according to developers, the game was actually finished. Um, and mm -hmm. the version available online now was the original Japanese version of the game that was that was really that that was re that that was leaked, and then people since then have hacked the game to translate it. Uh, that's that's what I did. I right. had to use a translation patch, right, and make it, uh, you know, and fix also, uh, and fix a couple of, like you know small bugs out of it. Um, mm. the, the the game follows the, the game follows the bait that uh, uh, the same basic. Um, idea behind Star Fox. It just that, um, just that uh, there's still like a map to it, but it's like picking a route. Uh, you instead, you instead have to move your ship across the map to intercept it to, 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 to intercept enemy fleets that like to come to, like to come down toward the Corneria. So, I kind of like that. Yeah. So um, it was supposed to be released in the summer of 1995, um, but apparently. Like what the developer said, um, Nintendo was afraid to afraid to release it at the uh, release it then because they were they thought the N sixty four was going to be out a lot sooner than it actually was. And it you was, mean the Ultra sixty four? Yeah, uh, well, that's what it's called <laughs> back then. Yes, the, they thought it was supposed to be out sooner, like sooner uh, sooner than what actually uh, ended up happening. So the concern was that. Um, the concern was that the game would look bad if it came out for the quote-unquote inferior system with the new system coming out just a couple months later. So, uh, the game got shoved because of that. Uh, whereas they have known that the N64 was going to come out for a year and a half later, uh, they certainly could have released the game then and nobody would have thought anything of it. I'm just trying to figure out where Star, Fo Star Fox 63 went. 6063. <laughs> uh, that's cute. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, I played this game a little bit too in emulation. I haven't really spent too much time with it. Like it's very fun. It's it's very impressive. I, um, it's running um, like it's, like it's running more powerful GS uh, GSU two chips, so it handles a bit better than Richard Star Fox does. So it's not quite as clunky or clunky or jerky, although it does still kind of suffer from like you know a slow frame rate. Um, mm -hmm. I, I noticed it more in this one actually than I did Star Fox one. Yeah, so. So I don't know if it was just the way I was emulating it because I was playing that on my PC and Star Fox 1 on the Wii, so right. I don't know if it was just the way I was emulating it or what. Yep, that could be the case. So the next game in the series was actually Star Fox 64. And they, um, you, know, you know, from various reports, Star Fox 64 used about 20% of the concepts and ideas, ideas that Star Fox 2 was supposed to have. Um, unfortunately, both the unfortunately both the both the original developer and Nintendo have said that due to legal re reasons, it's very unlikely Star Fox Two like ever get an official release. That would be nice though. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Just it's, you know, virtual console like 3DS or something. Mm -hmm. it, it would be nice. I bet a lot of people would buy it. It certainly could run on it just fine. Um, but you, uh, like no problem. So. Uh, but yeah, just like complications, unfortunately, to getting the game the the, the game out there. So. But um, Star Fox 64 was also very impressive. I thought I, I didn't like the game. I didn't. I didn't enjoy that game quite as much as this one did. But I still thought it was a very like fun game. Uh, it certainly. It certainly. It certainly. It certainly took what the original game did well and it improved upon it. Um, and that was the very first game to use the Rumble Pack. It actually came with Rumble Pack built. Uh, um, uh, like uh, included in the box. I found the pack system with the controllers was the oddest thing ever. But then again, I mean, Dreamcast did it as well. 
Uh, Sony mm. obviously did the idea much better later on the Dual Shock, but then, but then of course, but then of course that you get for coming coming second. I mean, Nintendo's the one. Uh, Nintendo's the one who pioneered the pioneer technology, and they're uh, they're there to be like commended for it. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. So, um, do you have any experience with Star Fox 64, George? No. Okay. Um, but it's a very fun game. You'll probably like that. Um, I, I certainly recommend checking this one out. I uh, checking that one out because uh, because it solves many of the issues that you were complaining about, like in this game. Uh, it runs a lot smoother, like for starters. Do you know if the cartridge is expensive? Uh, I, think, I think loose. It would probably be. I'm thinking around thirty mm. just for the cart. Because I do have an N64. There, um, uh, you can also, if you want to, you can also pick up um, Star Fox 64 3D, which came out for the DS in 2011. That's kind of like remake, your remake of that game. So is that is that is that cheaper though? Yeah, it should, should be because it's newer. So <laughs> well, according to Amazon, the 64 cart without Rumble Pack is 1798, and okay. the 3DS version is. Use acceptable forty. Yeah, no, thank you. Really, mm-hmm. uh, I'm shocked. Seems a, seems a little pricey. I'm shocked by yeah, that. Yeah, I'd rather pay the almost twenty bucks for <laughs> the sixty-four cart, which actually isn't a bad price. Mm. Not if it's in good condition, you know, good label and stuff. No yeah. sharpie on it. I, oh, jeez, I hope not. <laughs> I hate when people put sharpie on game cards. There's, I have there's no problem point. with it as long as it's not on a sticker. <laughs> I just don't like it at all because you could like put a piece of tape on there or something and write on the tape. There's I don't know. There's just no but reason to just, like mangle just, up the cart. If it's if it's not on like a label or a sticker, you could just get it off easily. Yeah. If it if it is on a label or a sticker, you're basically screwed. Yeah, you have to get a repro label or something. Yeah. <laughs> um. You can try using. Uh, stuff to 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 clean it off, but it depends on like a lot of factors because I don't know about N64 carts, but I know NES carts, the earlier ones, uh, you can easily uh, clean off marker off on the labels because they were made better, and then the older uh, the NES was, uh, they would start ma- making them cheaper, so you would like actually wear away on the the label uh, if oh. you start using these cleaning solutions so there's there's a lot there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of background stuff for this so yeah definitely so I don't collect NES games so I don't know too, too much about it but... <laughs> well this game's well this game as far as pricing goes it's, like, it's pretty good for uh, Super NES pricing because this game was produced in up teen numbers so um, it's not that hard to get a hold of a copy of this there were, hundred there, there, uh, there were hundred forty six copies currently are uh, currently available on sale on eBay. Six twenty one recently sold. Um, if you want cart, the cart by itself can run anywhere from six to six dollars, uh, all the way up to thirty two fifty. Oh, that's uh, not that's not too bad. CIB can run anywhere from twenty five dollars to one hundred four dollars, and there was a uh, it's a big range. Uh, there was a, there was a sealed copy of this game that sold recently for two hundred. Like two hundred four dollars, but oh. but if you have money to spend, the real the real the, the real gem to your collection like would be getting a hold of the special uh, blockbuster blockbuster weekend competition cards. Oh great! Uh, 
I actually took part in this uh, back when it like um uh, you know, happened. Uh, like Andy, like how about you? Oh, I'm sorry. Say that one more time. I did I you... heard you talking about the weekend competition cart. Yes, the blockbuster. Did you take part in that? No, no, I did not. I've heard I heard about it, mm. and you know I've seen it since then. I didn't get to do it when it was yeah being done. Yeah. So yeah, that's just a special, um, you know, a special, uh, especially made uh, shorter version of the game that they shipped out to blockbuster stores, like the comp- uh, per- yeah, uh, on purpose of the competition. It's unknown how many, like it's unknown, like it's unknown how many carts were actually were actually made. Uh, see, uh, uh, best guesses are are, are are something or something in the range, sorry, or something in the range like around like, like around like you know, three to five thousand. So, <laughs> so as a result. Uh, there were three copies of this game that sold recently on eBay. Check out this pricing: six thirteen, nine thirty one, and eleven forty two. Oh, that much? Yes. Huh. So, this is a real gem to your collection. Like if you can get a hold of one. I think for that price, I'd rather buy Earthbound or <laughs> Chrono Trigger or something like that for for that kind of price. Mm. Oh, I did want to mention like one last thing about the gameplay. I love the final boss uh, fight like in this game. It's so cool. I didn't get to it. Yeah. The uh, the face. Yeah. The face with the brain. Yeah. Yeah. It was really. That's really. I've seen it before. It's really weird. Yeah, it's really cool though because because like a three part fight and during part of the fight you have to like try to avoid being sucked into his mouth. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there's another part of it we have to like you know like either shoot or dodge tiles that it, 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 tiles that are coming out of his eyes. So it's a really weird fight, but it's like really cool. Tiles coming out of his eyes. Yeah, because of projection. Like Andrew's, like he has telekinesis yes. as his yeah. special ability. So you're, you're not actually like fighting. You're not actually fighting him. You're you're fighting like a projection or a form of him. So uh, they were so they were free to go crazy on it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's definitely like a very very uh, fun fight. So. Um, uh, there are there, uh, there are a few um, uh, ch- uh, 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 cheats and secrets uh, ch- cheats and secrets that are in the game. Um, it's possible, like, it's possible, it's possible, for example, to be able to play the game in what's called polygon view mode, and uh, uh, like the game only shows you the polygons, so you can like you know, like go through the game that way if you want to. I I thought the game already had polygons. <laughs> um, yeah, like. Uh, yeah, but actually, this actually shows you the polygons on the screen. It's like especially like polygon only uh, version of the game. It's, it's kind of hard to uh, explain verbally. I don't, I don't think I understand what you. Mean. <laughs> do you mean like wireframe? I didn't do this. I'm actually looking up a picture of that because that's the idea I had. Like almost like vector graphics is what I was thinking, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, it's kind of similar to vector graphics. Uh, you can see it on YouTube if you want to. Like, it's pretty cool looking. So it kind of shows you how the basic engine with you, you, you engine the game is built. So it's kind of cool from that um, you know perspective. But um, there's also a special black hole stage in the game. And did you know about this as a kid? Um, I saw it when I was a kid, but that long ago. The internet wasn't around, and my mother and I did not believe in strategy guides, so I just never <laughs> knew how to get to that level. Wait, the just, internet wasn't around? Either it wasn't around, or it was so new that we didn't have it, because this was like 
what, 90, what did you say, was it 94? 93. I was, I was thinking 93. I, I was yes, starting, I was seven. Yeah, I was, yeah, the internet was very early yeah, on there. Yeah, I was just starting to get online with Prodigy back then, so, and that's like... <laughs> I, I didn't even have a computer. It's like, you know, that's oh, like, wow. that's like, that's like bulletin board and email only at like, you know, like 900 baud speed, so, but yeah, so anyway, no. Uh, Old man talking. So I did have, like so luckily for me I had luckily for me like had like I had like I had a, like, I had a uh, subscription to, uh, a subscription to Nintendo Power and they covered this game intensively. So the secret of how to get in the stage was contained in there. So um, it's it's like like the black hole is just a special a special a special secret area um, like in the game that you can get to um, like through the asteroid belt. Uh, zone, so you can find the details to access it like online easily, easily enough. Um, there's also there's also three level warps in the black hole that you can use to go to the so-called lost ship graveyard. We can see some of the rejected designs that they had in the game uh, for ships, for like ships and enemies. Looks pretty cool. I have to go check that out. That does sound pretty cool. I wanted to do that during my playthrough, and I just I didn't get to. I got to do the other the. What's it called? Out of this dimension, or the next dimension? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. With the right, Pachinko yep. machine, yep, or whatever. Yep, yep. That's the other. That's the other secret area. So that was trippy. The, the black hole area is pretty hard to access, um, because you have to, you have to find the asteroid, the, the asteroid like in level one, two, like the asteroid, uh, uh, like, uh, like the spinning asteroid, the asteroid bar, then hit the exact center of the asteroid bar just before you slam into it. And like the rinse repeat that like the next like two asteroids. Um, if you um, if you hit all three bars right uh, before you slam into them, uh, a laughing asteroid will appear, and if you should repeatedly that opens up the gateway to the black hole. Huh. So it does take some it does take some patience, like some trial, some error to be able to pull that off. So. Well, it's definitely harder than going out of the dimension. That's rather easy to do. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Talking about little secrets in this game, I tried Googling this, and I couldn't figure it out, so I don't know if it was part of a secret or just like a little addition to the game. When you're on the map screen before you go into a level, have you guys noticed there's little stars that fly across the map ever so often? Yeah, no. I've seen that. I just always, I just always thought that was a background effect. I couldn't tell if it was a, an effect or it just seemed rather obvious. So I was like, I wonder if this is part of a secret. And they made it that obvious, you know, for kids. Oh, hey, something's going on. I, just, I couldn't find anything about it. So I was just curious if one of you guys did. No, I haven't seen anything. Um, I can't tell you, however, the speed runs of this game are super impressive. Like, you want How to feel, quick are they? Um, let me find out, like, real quick. Uh, if you want to see some really Nashville players like like some mad skills and to get humbled, uh, this that's definitely like a good way to go. Mad skills. <laughs> Let's see. It looks like the best speed run for this game with no cheats, no deaths, no wingman damage, and all levels 100 percent is about like it's about 34 minutes and 30 seconds. Okay. Which is not easy to do. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, speed running speed running a game is not easy to do at all. That's also on no. the yeah. That's also on the highest um, uh, uh, the so-called expert difficulty route. Also, by the way, that might also be like the quickest route. Um, I think you go through the same number of stages regardless. Let me let me look. Well, the... I mean, the stages might go faster, or there might be a boss battle that you can like cheese and make it quicker, or something. Mm. 
Yeah, I suppose. So. No, I think that's yeah, yeah, because you go through five stages, five stages in the game, regardless of, like whatever you pick. But yeah, some stages, some stages certainly like you know like uh, like quote unquote easier than others. But yeah. Um. There's also there's also there's also speed run there's there's also speed run here, with like the easiest the easiest route without that perfection that the other speedrunner I mentioned had. Uh, he made it through the game in 13 minutes and 54 seconds. Okay. That's quite impressive. So that is. I mean, it's not perfect like the other guy is, but but Steve, uh, but yeah, that's very fast. Well, a lot of speed running isn't about being perfect. Yeah. So depends upon the game. I mean, certain games you have to be perfect because. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. perfect in the way that some there are some glitches that are like frame perfect, which oh, is yeah, insane, yeah, right, or yeah, pixel yeah. perfect, mm. but like perfect in a way of like not getting hit or anything is. Yeah. That's silly for a speedrun because there's this damage boosting thing and this and that and the other thing. So, right, yeah, for sure. So, so anyway, I'm certainly happy to go back to this game again. Like it had been several years since I played it last. Um, with some of the um, with some of the bad taste in my mouth that some of the later games the franchise have given me, it was, it was, uh, it was certainly very fun to very fun to go back to the roots and uh, like see what it all started at. Uh, like I said, flaws aside, I still think this is a fun game, and I still think it's like worth checking out today. Uh, at the very least, just to see just, just to see how much of a technological marvel uh, marvel this game was uh, for when it first came out. Uh, there certainly are a lot worse space shooters out there, I think, that have not aged like aged they aged particularly well like this one has. Um, Andy, like how about you? You have any like closing thoughts? I'm just glad Nintendo decided to make this game. Hmm. Yeah, it was certainly like you know, um, yeah, the, yeah, it certainly was not something that they ordinarily, uh, you know, they ordinarily did. The relationship, uh, the relationship of to Argonaut Games and allowing them to be able to actually develop special hardware for their system. I mean, that's like unheard of. So it, it really is for Nintendo because they're usually pretty close to the chest, or they used to be at mm, least, yeah. pretty close to the chest about you know, their hardware and, you know, developing games like that. Like, you know, they had third-party developers and stuff, but something big like that, you would have thought they would have done it themselves. Right, yeah. Like, in studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, George, how about you? Uh, the train's passing by? <laughs> uh, no. Um, well, no, oh, it actually is passing by. But yeah, Space Train. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's a cool game. I I don't really don't know what to say. I mean, it's it's impressive that there was a 3D game like a game with polygons on the SNES and it actually ran decently. Uh, I'd, that's that's beyond me. So you rather play this like suppose like Baseball 2000? Oh yeah, <laughs> I would rather. No, maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> uh, I, w- I would rather not play Baseball 2000 because that game also used like advanced advanced 3D polygon techniques. But oh yeah, that game was super advanced. <laughs> well, it didn't have the well, it didn't have the benefit uh, like the like this uh, the benefit like the Super FX chip. I mean, can you imagine this game like about the chip? I mean, like the chip's pretty much what drove this game in the first place. I so. mean. It, Baseball 2000 has superior uh, technology 
uh, it bores you within minutes. <laughs> it's impressive. Uh, yep, and uh, and of course, <laughs> and of course, we can't we can't finish the podcast without making a party note that 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 Sega was so inspired by what Nintendo had done that they that, that they went ahead and developed their own special version of uh, a special version of, like a, like a hardware like a hardware Star Raider ship uh, that they only used for like one game, uh, uh, the virtual racing game, which is uh, which was like wicked expensive. That was like a uh, that was like an E-Dollar game show back when it came out. So, oh. so you know what they say like imitations, you know, imitations, uh, the sincerest form of flattery. So, yep, that is true. It is. So, Andy, it was certainly great to have you on the podcast again. Um, is there anything going on for you recently, as far as as far as like? Um, uh, other podcasts or gaming news or blogs or anything else, sir? Do, 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 uh, or anything else you'd like to plug? Um, as far as podcasts go, I can't really think of any just off the top of my head. Um, I need to catch up with Retro Gaming Roundup. I'd like to follow that. I hadn't got to listen to the last <laughs> two or three episodes, so I need to catch up on that. I like those guys quite a bit. They seem to know their stuff, and they're they're pretty good at explaining it. Um. I'm going to catch E3. Mm. And I guess that's, that's probably about it on the gaming yeah. front right now. Catch yep. E3 and yep. see what I need to pre-order. Yep, as we're recording this, uh, E3 is due to kick off uh, tomorrow, I want to say. Desert, uh, it starts today. It starts today. starts today, okay, yeah. So they we, keep actually pushing the days back, so eventually it'll be like Saturday, and then it'll be <laughs> Friday again. Uh, and so. <laughs> like E3 will probably eventually be like a month long mm. at some point. Yeah. As long as that wouldn't bother me, still popular. Oh, it would bother me because I have to actually kind of pay attention to it now. Right, right. So, yeah, and playing this game has made me kind of want to check out. I check out also the just released Star Fox Zero because I've heard some like pretty good things about it. I would like to try that myself. Is that the that's the Wii U game? Yes. Yeah, I I was interested in getting it, but I really don't know. Um. So, uh, um, so yeah. As far as this podcast goes, you can feel free to uh, uh, find us, uh, find us on our Facebook page um, and send us a comment on there if you'd like to, or you can also send me an email directly to the SNES Podcast at yahoo.com. Um, you can also find the podcast uh, on Retro Junkies Network, uh, like and also available like on iTunes. Um, and uh, George, how can they reach you directly? Oh, uh, I guess you can follow me on Twitter. At Mr. Chief at M I S T U R C H E E F. Uh, you know, I do, I do other podcasts as well. Uh, host a Master System podcast, Master System Masterpieces. I host a PlayStation slash PlayStation 2 podcast, PlayStation Power. Um, part of a VR podcast, VR Enclave. Um, and I sometimes appear on the One Up Gaming podcast. Right. Um, yep, very good. So um, anyway, uh, I really appreciate you like being on the uh, uh, podcast again, like with was Andy. Like, it's always fun to have you on. Thank you, and uh, sorry about the delays, like you were saying earlier. No, that, that's okay. It happens. So, um, but yeah. Uh, so George, uh, I think we could talk about um, our plans. Our plans for the next episode. So sure thing. Um, we 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 coming up the next episode, as you may have already have picked up on from the episode number uh have the 50th, uh, the 50th episode coming up next and we want congratulations 
Thank you. So we want to do something kind of special for it. So uh, we decided that we're going to try to focus upon a special episode dealing with the three most common and popular accessories that came out for the Super NES during its lifetime. Uh, there were a ton of accessories that came out for the system. Like, you name it, it probably came out for it. But The Easy Bake Oven. <laughs> uh, a printer. There actually, there actually was a printer. <laughs> <laughs> I know there was like a knitting device. I didn't know they actually made a real printer for it. Honestly, I knew they made that knitting thing. Yeah, there were. There were. I know. I know they made a Game Boy sewing machine. That's a thing, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yep. But, but I didn't know about a knitting device. Yeah, there was something like you could hook up yarn and everything to this contraption <laughs> and hook it up, and yeah, it, it actually did it. Uh. That's amazing. So there, like, so like, so there, are, like, there were a ton of oddball things we talked about. But we decided instead to focus upon just the most, the most three common and most popular accessories that you would have seen as an American gamer uh, when the system, when the system was out, um, which were the, which were the Super Scope Six, uh, 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 which the light gun, the light gun like for the console, uh, the Super NES Mouse. Uh, the first one available, uh, the first one available, the, uh, the first one available like, for a console that came with Mario Paint, um, and also the very awesome Super Game Boy that allowed you to play your Game Boy games like on the big screen. That I, would, is, I was, wouldn't call this. Nice. I wouldn't call the Super Scope a light gun because it actually uses a sensor. It's still technically a light gun. <laughs> ah, really? <laughs> Uses a sensor. Everybody calls it a light gun, so. Oh, well, I mean, if everybody jumped off a cliff, would you do it too? Depends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you got me there. So. Light weapon. Right. So, uh, the Super Scope Six is like like is like emulatable, like to a degree. It's not perfect. You have to use your mouse instead, but. Oh uh, no! It's beyond perfect because it's so e the games are so easy then. Yeah, but well, at least you can try them out that way. So, but yeah, uh, uh, and there is no way I'm getting like if, even if I got a super scope, there is no way I'd be able to play it right now. Yeah, because it has the same limitations limitations of the old like the old light guns that requires you know a CRT television set. So yeah, and I I think it also can't be one of the newer flat screen CRTs. So. I, I don't know about that. We will have to research that and find out. So stay tuned. Yeah. Like, so, like, so stay tuned for the episode. So, um, um, and we have some, and we have some plans for episodes coming up after that. So, um, we have a full slate, uh, coming up, coming up. So, um, Andy, once again, thank you very much for being on the podcast with us. I appreciate it. Um, thank you. Was planning upon covering this game eventually sooner or later. So it's always great to have somebody on here who also shares the history, the history and nostalgia with it. So, uh, always fun to have a guest host on. Um, and George is always just fun, like fun podcasting with you. Oh, as always. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, everybody out there for listening. Uh, we very much appreciate it. Um, oh, the podcast, the podcast is also the, the podcast is also like now available also like on the Throwback Network with a whole bunch of other uh, retro like retro gaming and eighties like eighties nostalgia styled uh, podcast, including George wrestling shows. So. Um, uh, so please go check that out at throwback, you know, throwbacknetwork.net. So thank you very much again, everybody out there, for listening. For listening. We very much appreciate it. And take care, all. Bye. Happy gaming. Nintendo controls 80% of the video market. But no matter how you play the game or which game you play, things definitely have come a long way since Pac-Man. Now you're playing with power. Deep